Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here in the wee hours of Friday morning. By the time that you listen to this, I will be on my way to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to watch the Mississippi State Bulldogs, the defending NAFL champions, take on the team that many people thought was going to be the NAFL champion last year, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Those guys have had our numbers the last couple of times we've gotten together. It's time for us to kind of get even. We got to go up there at least get one. We're going to preview the games a little bit later in the show. We're going to look around the SEC. A lot going on in the college baseball world for sure. A couple of surprises, shall we say, Thursday night to kind of kick off the SEC weekend. That's one thing I'll say already. There's a lot of parity in the league, probably more than many of us, including myself, anticipated. You know, Tennessee looking really strong. Everybody else is kind of hit or miss. You know, so maybe that's a good thing for Mississippi State. Maybe maybe there's a chance for us to kind of climb back into this hosting discussion. A lot of work left to do, and let's not get the cart before the horse. State's got to go out and win some baseball games, uh, to say the least. But I think we're going to get some help around the league because I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams run away with stuff. And so, you know how this thing works in the SEC. I mean, you know, we're a power conference, and so you finish in the top half of the league, you got a shot at hosting. So we'll see how things go. But uh, a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. A huge series uh, for Mississippi State. Uh, many of you reached out to me after Everett Kennard, uh, you know, Big E, tweeted out that there was a bag left behind. Thanks, you guys, for reaching out. Everett and I did connect. He called me uh, shortly after he sent the tweet. Uh, I have the bag in question. It is being delivered. You can rest assured it is in good hands, and it will be on its way to Fayetteville, Arkansas on Friday. It'll be there. I personally guarantee it. So we got it all worked out. Everybody can relax. Um, it's not. It's not anything. It's not like some magic formula or something. You know, we didn't leave. Uh, you know, we didn't leave like. Uh, you know, uh, Cameron James bat bag behind or something like that. It's all taken care of, though. You'll be, you'll be relieved. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. It's not that big a deal. But uh, we'll get it all taken care of. I've been in that situation before myself. On a on my way to Arkansas went off and left a bag, end up having to go buy a bunch of stuff that always work out the way you want. So, But it's taken care of. So you can rest assured that the tweet has been deleted, arrangements have been made, everything is going to be great. Everything will be great. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Love Bulldog Burger Company. You know, I don't know anybody that dislikes Bulldog Burger Company. It's like you've got raving fans. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's the thing you want. If you're in business, you don't just want people that kind of casually enjoy your services. You want people that talk about you. They post about you on social media. They tell their friends. And if you got kids, I know they love Bulldog Burger Company. And it's not just because they can get a chocolate shake to go. And mom, if you're not letting that happen, shame on you. But you can go have that great appetizer to spring rolls. Maybe if the kids aren't ready for that, they can get some wings. There's a lot to choose from. It's a very, very, very solid menu whether it be appetizers desserts i love the shipley bread pudding the shipley's donuts bread pudding is next level but the main reason you go to bulldog burger company though is to have a great restaurant quality hamburger i am very very fond of the pimentology add bacon maybe that's too much for you maybe maybe the bulldog is the way to go just a good straight ahead rock and roll american grade hamburger maybe that's what you need if not 
Walk on the wild side like me. Get that uh, mission with the Pico de Gallo on the side. That way you kind of control the distribution. I, I dig it, man. I do. I think you guys will as well. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And, of course, Lake Harbor Drive down there in central Mississippi in the Ridge and Flowood area. You'll be sure to go check it out. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. Earlier this week, the Mississippi State family suffered a tremendous loss. Robert Bell passed away. I had a chance to interview Robert Bell uh, when I wrote Alpha Dogs. A pioneer. A huge fan favorite. From, hailed from the great city of Meridian, Mississippi. He and Frank Dowsing were the first two African-American players to ever play at Mississippi State. You know, Frank Dowsing was the first to play at Tupelo High School. And Robert told me it made it easier to come to Mississippi State because Frank was coming. They could go together. It's easy right now for us to kind of look back in hindsight and say, you know, I can't believe those things happened, but they did. They did. In Mississippi State, thanks to Charles Shira, you may know the Shira Football Complex is named after him, one of the first indoor practice facilities in the Southeastern Conference, named after Charles Shira. Not a real big place. Uh, but nevertheless, Robert Bell was a hero and a pioneer. You know, the uh, Bell Dowsing Plaza outside of Davis Wade Stadium, that needed to happen. It was great for Robert and his family. Of course, Frank was already gone by that time. Frank Dowsing, an All-American player at Mississippi State, Mr. MSU. It's just incredible to think, you know, that um, – these two individuals that were so instrumental in changing the culture in Mississippi when it came to integrating college football. Mississippi State was the first of the in-state schools to integrate the football team. Willie Heidelberg became the next at Southern Miss. And then, of course, General Ben Williams at Ole Miss. And by then, all the in-state schools had been integrated. But Robert Bell was so much more than that. He was so much more than just a headline. He was a tremendous football player. And it took an incredible amount of courage for he and his family in those uncertain times in our state to say, hey, we're going to go to this predominantly white school at Mississippi State. We're going to let our young, our young son go play there. And to be honest with you, I think it had to be Mississippi natives that integrated a football team. But I think Robert Bell would have come even without Frank after discussing it with him. And, he, and I'll be honest with you, when I interviewed him for the book, he didn't want to talk a lot about that. He just wanted to talk about his experience at Mississippi State. And it's not that he had negative feelings about it or anything. I think in many respects that Robert was kind of uncomfortable with that aspect of it. I, I think he wanted to simply be an in-state player that chose to go to an in-state school and got a quality education and had a great career at Mississippi State. That's the impression that I got from him. Very, very proud to be a part of that, that he and, what he and Frank Dowsing built. But I don't think that it was something that – I don't think he came here with any agenda in mind other than getting an education and playing football. There are a lot of people, of course, that um, you know, have celebrated 
his career and maybe not giving him the proper credit. In some ways, I think Robert Bell was kind of overshadowed by Frank Dowsing and, and partially because Frank Dowsing was just such a incredible personality. You know, Robert was the guy that just kind of kept to himself a little bit. And it, and it took me a while to kind of run him down and get him to interview. And he was so gracious, though, guys. I, I tell you, he was just so incredibly gracious with his time. And I'd called a couple times. I couldn't get him to call me back. And I said, hey, I'm, I finally got on the phone. I said, hey, I'm trying to reach Robert Bell. You got him. I said, well, Robert, I left you a couple messages. And he goes, yeah, I meant to call, but you know how life gets. And, and, you, and you do. But we spoke at length. And he shared some great stories. And uh, he got a big kick out of the Give Him Hell Robert Bell thing. You know, he just he thought that was just an amazing thing. And I think it says a lot about our student body and about our fan base uh, at the time. You know, we were ripe. We were ripe for change at Mississippi State. And I think by and large, when you look back at that tumultuous time in our state's history, you're going to find Mississippi State on the right side of history more times than not. And we've done the right thing by honoring these two heroes, not just for being the first, but being outstanding students and athletes. And Robert tells a funny story. A couple of years ago, he had gone to the doctor and uh, he did say then, you know, he's having to go a little more often than he was used to. He went to the doctor and he had on his Mississippi State sweatshirt on a Mississippi State cap, and he's out there in Houston, Texas, and there's a guy sitting there across from him, older, older gentleman, and said, hey, Mississippi State. He said, I went to a Mississippi State game one time. Turns out the guy was a Tennessee fan. I believe that's correct. He was Tennessee. I know he was an SEC fan. I'm almost positive it was a Tennessee fan. He said he went and watched a game at Mississippi State. He said it was incredible. So the, the crowd was into it. The cowbells are ringing. There were so many crazy things going on. And he goes, man, there was this guy out there just having a great game. He was making every tackle. And he said, they kept yelling something. And they kept yelling something. And I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And he goes, and eventually, I made it out. They were saying, give him hell, Robert Bell. And Robert said, oh, well, that was me. And the guy, he goes, oh, yeah, man, he was a great player. And he goes, no, man, I'm trying to tell you, that was me. And the older guy was like, yeah, his name is Robert Bell. Your name's Robert Bell? He said, no, I am the Robert Bell. I am give him hell Robert Bell at Mississippi State. And he got tickled saying, yeah, by the time I understood what he was saying and he understood what I was saying, he said, we kind of, kind of got it settled and figured out. But I just kind of thought to myself, here are these two older gentlemen, you know, in, in the twilight of life reconnecting over an experience they shared as college students, one in the stands, one on the field, and it turned out to be a very historic moment, not just in our state, not just for our football program, but in life. And they didn't remember any of the other stuff, any of the headlines and things like that. It's just here was a, here was a white college student from Tennessee that his remembrance of Mississippi State was going to a game and seeing an African-American player dominate the game. And he didn't remember all that aspect of it. He just said, you know what, I remember give him hell Robert Bell. And I think that's probably one of the most lasting tributes is the fact that, you know what, hey, this guy was a great 
football player at Mississippi State, recognized for his play, recognized for who he was as a person. And here they are, you know, 50 years later, having a discussion, you know, in a medical clinic lobby. It made such an impression on the guy. And then he sees another gentleman wearing a Mississippi State shirt. And the first memory that comes to mind is watching Robert Bell play football. That's pretty cool, man. It is. Robert Bell, man, he was uh, so incredibly kind to me, thanked me for calling, was so incredibly gracious. And uh, I consider it, you know, my honor to have interviewed him. And, you know, in the last year or so, we've lost him and Harper Davis, another guy that was in uh, one of the books. It's just one of those things, too. It's like it's important for me to get these stories documented because the storytellers aren't going to be here forever. Let me share with you a few comments about the passing of Robert Bell from your university. He enrolled at Mississippi State in 1969, became a student athlete in 1970. Freshman didn't play back then. He played freshman football, played varsity in 70. Mississippi State University family is deeply saddened at the passing of great Bulldog football defender Robert Bell, said MSU President Mark Keenum. Robert played a pivotal role in bringing change to our state and our university through his courage, character, and zeal to compete. I was honored to be a part of the 2017 effort to appropriately honor Robert and his teammate Frank Dowsing, our university's first African-American student-athletes, with the dedication of the Dowsing Bell Plaza at Davis Wade Stadium. Bell was an outstanding teammate, made an immediate impact at MSU with his leadership, courage, and work ethic. He helped guide state to its first winning season in seven years in 1970. Kicked off his stellar Bulldog career by helping Mississippi State to a 14-13 season opening win against Oklahoma State and Jackson. Robert Barnes, chair of the Mississippi State University Alumni Association Black Alumni Advisory Council, says Robert was not only a pioneer, he was a friend, husband, and father. We are praying for peace and comfort for his family. He loved Mississippi State and longed to visit in his final days during his illness. Bell from Meridian, Mississippi, was an inspirational leader and a standout starter on the defensive line, a fan favorite. It was common to hear chants in the Bulldog faithful of, Give him hell, Robert Bell. We are saddened by the loss of Robert Bell, said MSU Director of Athletics John Cohen. Robert helped pave the way for other African-American student-athletes at Mississippi State. We are forever indebted to Robert and know that his legacy will live on. We share our deepest sympathy, Robert's family and friends. Our thoughts and prayers are with everyone touched by Robert's groundbreaking life. Bell was an honor student. Let's go ahead and stop right there. An honor student. Team captain and all Big 8 selection at Meridian High School. This is a young man that knew exactly what he wanted to do in life. This is a young man that wasn't just, you know, part of, you know, just happenstance. He earned everything that he got. He earned it all. He wasn't given anything. He went on to earn three letters for the Bulldogs from 1970 to 72, graduated in 1973 with a degree in business administration. Bell was also a member of the M Club and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Let's just stop here for a second. Let's think about this. This is a young man whose family had to make a difficult decision to allow him to go to a predominantly white school in the 1960s. You know, we can say it was a post-civil rights movement type decision, but in this state it wasn't. There were still things going on. 
So you commend not only Robert Bell, but you commend the parents. And I remember when he told me, he came up, and I cannot remember who the cook was. I, I, I forget. But uh, his mom sat down with the cook and wanted to make sure, you know, told the cook what all Robert liked to eat. You know, Mississippi State, you know, they had a, they had a cook for the football team. And she said that, that was really what she was most concerned about. It's what her baby was going to eat. And make sure that his favorites were prepared for him, things of that nature. That's what moms do. But at that critical juncture in life, Robert Bell's mom just being a mom. It's just being a mom. On November 23, 2017, MSU honored Bell and Dowsing with the dedication of the Dowsing Bell Plaza on the north end of the Davis Wade Stadium. Prior to the 90th battle for the Golden Egg on Thanksgiving night, the plaza includes a plaque detailing the on and off-field legacies of Bell and Dowsing. The 2017 battle for the Golden Egg marked 47 years since Frank Vince Bell and Dowsing and the Bulldogs sealed the 1914 win on November 21, 1970 for one of the most remarkable victories in Egg Bowl history. And if you don't know, Ole Miss was driving down to take the lead, and it was Frank Dowsing with the game-clinched interception. 2018, MSU's M Club Alumni Association created the Dowsing Bell Award. The award honors the most deserving male whose determination and perseverance in overcoming obstacles academically, athletically, or personally is a testament to their tremendous character. Uh, there has never been an award more aptly named than that one. Very appropriate. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a sad time, but, man, how grateful are we are that uh, Robert Bell and Frank Dowsing came our way, both outstanding students, outstanding people and outstanding football players. I've always said that there is a place for, uh, for everybody that has the size, the talent, the academics, and the character to play on the Division I level. I don't know that we could have been more honored than to have Robert Bell and Frank Dowson. And remember, go back to the honor student thing. It wasn't like Robert Bell was just some you know, phenomenal football player and that was it. You know, that's what he's best known for. But that's not all of who he was. That's not the sum of him as an individual. An honor student and a team captain. And he comes here and has a tremendous career at Mississippi State. I mean, the fact, the fact that, I mean, think about how many of our players have passed away. I mean, honestly, you know, we've had so many over the years. You could just about have an announcement like this every day. Maybe it's a shame that we don't. But the fact that we have this moment, you know, for Robert Bell, I think it is important for us to take a little bit of an inventory. You know what I'm saying? Take a little bit of an inventory here and kind of reflect on whence we've came. I don't think there's any question that um, Robert Bell loved Mississippi State. And he was so excited to be able to, um, to come back to a game every now and again. And he shared with me, too, how, how important it was to be able to share that with his family and, and had a chance to see some of Frank Dowsing's family when they came back in 17. It's just amazing to think about. So incredibly privileged to be able to have an opportunity to have had a conversation with him. And, um, you know, it's one of those things, too, that motivates me. And I think you, know, you never know. You never know when you're going to lose one of our heroes. And it's best to get some things on the record sooner rather than later.
sooner rather than later. Looking at that 1970 season, we opened it with the win over Oklahoma State. We lose at Florida. We come back and beat Vanderbilt, and we beat Georgia 7-6 to go to a 3-1 record. We lose to Houston to go 3-2. We upset number 17, Texas Tech, 20-16. The Bulldogs move on to 4-2. We beat the, the snot out of Southern Miss, 51-15. One of the most lopsided victories in the series. Then the next three weeks are pretty tough. We got it, kind of got the, the wind taken out of ourselves by Alabama, Auburn, and LSU. And you remember, those of you that lived through the 80s, that um, that was kind of the way that the season ended. Like, we would be front-loaded. We'd be 5-1, and 6-1, and one, then we'd lose four in a row. And, of course, we win. We beat number 10 Ole Miss, 1914. What's interesting about that, too, in that chapter, I had one of you reach out to me that talked about the um, – shared a story about the famous Maroon Band. That particular year, you know, they had the Greenwood Christmas Parade, which is the biggest parade in the state at the time. Everybody came. It was such a big deal. And so Mississippi State's famous Maroon Band was invited to be the featured band. And so by being the featured band, they were the last band. It was, it was the famous Maroon Band and then Santa Claus. And maybe you've heard me tell this story before. But those smarmy, famous Maroon Band members that I love so much, I, I love your sense of humor. I love you guys so much. You know, before there was Baby Shark, there was this. As the Mississippi State famous Maroon Band proceeded down the streets of Greenwood, the young people of, of Ole Miss and Mississippi State fandom all lined the streets and in between songs, the marching cadence from the famous Maroon Band was 1914, 1914, just in case anybody from Ole Miss had forgotten that the Bulldogs had possession of the Golden Egg, and Robert Bell was on that team. Finished the year 6-5. and five. We didn't go to a bowl game. I guess our bowl game was you know, defeating Ole Miss that year. Uh, but nevertheless... Robert Bell was an integral part of not just the 1970 team, but about the future of Mississippi State Athletics. And I am sad that he's gone. I am grateful to have had the conversation with him, grateful to have been able to capture just a part of his story. But I was just so incredibly impressed with his, uh, his ability to recall things. And usually that's what happens when you're passionate about something. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, the things that matter to you really matter to you. you know, if you bring up certain ball games that you went to with your dad or something like that, you bring up, remember everything. You know, remember this, remember the details, what they were wearing, what they said, and what, what section you sat in. I mean, you remember all kind of stuff. When it matters to you, you remember it. Now, talking to Robert, you know, he, 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 was, he was a guy up in age. But once he got talking about his time at Mississippi State, it was amazing how it all started kind of coming back to him. He had committed these things to memory because it mattered to him. And because it mattered to him, it matters to us. So thoughts and prayers to everybody out there that loved and knew Robert Bell. Uh, Many of you, I've seen your postings on social media about Robert and what he meant. And that's the thing that I think that really stands as a person's legacy. It's not necessarily just the things they did. It's how they made other people feel. 
And there are a lot of people today that haven't talked about Robert Bell a lot until now. And I think there's some young people out there that had no clue who Robert Bell was. They probably passed the Dowsing Bell Plaza all the time and never understood the significance of it. And now they're getting to hear these stories. They're getting to hear about Robert Bell. They probably have gotten on social media or have jumped on Google and said, okay, well, let me learn more about this. And I think it's important that that story continue to be told. And I don't know when we'll get a chance to tell it again. I really don't. But I'm excited to know that Frank Dowsing and Robert Bell running them down the great fields of heaven today. At least I believe that to be true. And I know that Robert Bell has um, got a lot of other Bulldogs up there that were probably waiting on him. Probably had his locker ready for him. Probably had that jersey hanging in the locker. Waiting on his arrival. But it is a sad day for our family, but also, too, I think one that um, we can look back to and be grateful that we shared the path together for a while. And again, it's a, remar- it's, it's a remarkable person. Those are the things that stand out to me when I look back at all this stuff, too, is it couldn't have been just anybody. With the climate that, that existed that, at that time in this state, it couldn't have been just anybody. It took a very special person. And we were very fortunate to have two, Robert Bell and Frank Dowsing, that opened the door for many, many others. All right, uh, so for that, I want to give a, um, a Prime Shrimp Player of the Game Award to Charlie Shira for doing what people told him he shouldn't do, for following his own convictions and going to bat for the right thing the right thing in life. Not, not for what was popular, but what was right. And Charlie Shower realized, this is wrong. Let's fix it at Mississippi State. And we talk about being first and that kind of stuff. And listen, you know, I guess there's a little bit of ego attached with every bit of that. You know, but doing what's right, as my dad used to say, doing what's right has never gone out of style. And back in those days, I think, you know, maybe the water was muddied a little bit by people who who thought they were right and they were incredibly wrong. But Charlie Shira reached out to a couple Mississippi families and said, hey, we want your son to come play for us and we'll take care of him. We'll take care of him, make sure he gets an education. And so there was a partnership there between a lot of people involved, Charlie Shira, the staff, the parents, and the players themselves. And to hear Robert Bell tell it, you know, he said, I, I, I never had a problem at Mississippi State. Now, I'm sure some of that is the grace of, of older age, right? There's some maturity, and you think, hey, you know what? I, I would love to think that every day at Mississippi State was a wonderful day. I'm not naive. But I think it took a special coach to make a special decision and go out there and find two special young men. They changed a lot at Mississippi State. And it needs to be recognized. It needs to be remembered. It's not something as simple as, well, you know, it happened a long time ago, but things are different today. I mean, you get on social media today and people will tell you it's not. It's wrong. But it makes me incredibly proud 
you know, to know that Mississippi State was forward-thinking during a time when so many in the state wanted to continue to pull us backwards. So your prime strength player of the game, Charlie Shira, they got to change the game in the state of Mississippi when it came to recruiting, when it came to equality, when it came to doing things right. PrimeShrimp.com, great people. I love the shrimp, man. I, I absolutely do. Matter of fact, I'm down to my last pouch. I've got some decisions to make here about what I want to order next. Prime shrimp have been doing shrimp since the 1940s. They know everything there is to know about the shrimp business. Been around a long time, and here's the deal. They're going to make it so easy for you. You want great restaurant-quality shrimp, but you don't want all the trouble. It's like, Steve, I could go down there, and i got to find it. I don't know if I'm getting good shrimp or bad shrimp, and i got to peel it and devan it and pull tails off. Nope, not with prime shrimp. We're going to make it easy for you. They're going to ship these ready-to-cook pouches direct to your house, and it's so packaged up so well. Like my package came, and I was gone at the campus. I come back in the afternoon, and it's still sitting there, and I worried. Nope, nope. I, I could have probably taken that cooler and put some more stuff in there and cooled it off. It's so incredibly well packaged. You don't have to worry about that. You come in, you unpack them, you throw your pouches in the freezer, and then when you're ready to use them, you boil that pot of water for 10 minutes, you open the pouch, you drop your shrimp in. A taste of the French Quarter right on your dining room table without all the trouble. Not messy prep, not messy cleanup. It's as simple as just throwing a brown bag away. Check them out today. Go to primeshrimp.com and use promo code BONEYARD to save a few bucks on your purchase there. Money-back guarantee, as always. You don't like it, you get your money back. And all orders over four pounds ship free. I like the French Quarter Alfredo. I kind of like whatever I've had last. I like the Simply Seasoned. I like the Louisiana Crab Bowl. It's all very good. Trust me on this. You'll be glad you've done that. A lot of great reviews over on jeanspage.com. People have said, let me give this shrimp thing a shot. They come back and say, hey, Steve, I wanted to give it a shot. Now I'm a fan. Going to do it again. Check it out yourself. PrimeShrimp.com, promo code Boneyard. All right, let's jump into today's top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. CloseWithBlair.com. The close stands for closing alone. Coffee is for closers, and Blair Chandler certainly is. Blair been in the business 21 years. I don't care who you are or where you're from. You stay in any business for 20-plus years, you probably know what you're doing. That's the case with Blair, especially in a business like the mortgage industry where it's, you know, you're judged on production. You're going to be dealing with a production guy that, that specializes in professionalism. It's your buddy Blair. Let me give you his phone number. It's 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. A lot of uncertainty in the world right now. Not sure what's going to happen with interest rates. A lot of talk about a pending recession. You know what that means. Everything's fixing to go up. And you're probably thinking, Steve, I'm already a paycheck-to-paycheck employee. I can't afford this. These gas prices are killing me. Well, maybe it's time to consolidate some debt, lower your monthly debt-to-income ratio. Consolidate that debt down to one payment. Make it easier for yourself. Maybe you put a little money aside for yourself. Or maybe you don't need that. Maybe you need to cash out some equity. Maybe you're putting in a pool. Maybe you're planning a wedding. Maybe you want to take a trip to Europe. Don't know. But you can get your equity working for you, and Blair can take care of that for you. Blair works at Fairway Mortgage. 
recently named number one in customer satisfaction and mortgage lending institutions, second most closed loan volume in the industry in the United States last year. Pretty impressive stuff. So you got the best guy for the best company working for you. And whether you're an atypical borrower, maybe you've got some non-conforming issues, Blair has seen it all and done it all. You're talking to a pro here. Give him a call or text today, and here's the thing. You tell him you heard about him on the boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. A lot of fees associated with getting a mortgage done. Blair's going to make it a little bit easier on you. Again, that's closewithblair.com. Okay, our, our top 10 list today, the suggestion comes to us from Gordon Griffin. Your Gordon's helped out a little bit putting the uh, older top 10 lists on Spotify. And so occasionally Gordon will make a suggestion. I don't always use them. Sometimes Gary recommends some country stuff that's not really my wheelhouse, and I just struggle with that kind of stuff. But um, he goes, hey, how about a list of songs from bands that had hits sung by somebody that wasn't a lead singer? And I said, you know what? Give the list to me. Give the list to me. I will take care of it. So here we are. And this is going to blow your mind. Especially some of you young bucks out there, you're thinking, oh, this is just, young. no, 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 you don't know. You think you know, but you don't know, but you're going to know today. You're going to learn today. All right, number 10, and this is, I put it at 10, even though I love the song, because you have some classic rock songs on this list that are not sung by the lead singers. This is kind of a deep track from one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite albums. I actually have this album cover tattooed on my left elbow that's right that's right i'm tough enough for the elbow tats on both sides i got a jar of flies alice in chains album cover on my left elbow probably need to get it touched up maybe it was no picnic getting the elbow tattooed i can promise you that but i went with alice in chains jar of flies album and one of my favorite songs on that album i love them all I love maybe this one second most. I like Nutshell the most, but I think my second favorite one is Don't Follow, and it's sung by Jerry Cantrell. Jerry Cantrell, kind of a dual vocalist with Allison Chains. Of course, Lane Staley, and I'm actually wearing a Lane Staley shirt right now, uh, was the lead vocalist. But Lane encouraged Jerry to sing more, and Jerry wrote and recorded this song, and it was perfectly positioned on the Jar of Flies album. So Jerry Cantrell, guitar player from Allison Chains, had a hit with Don't Follow. Okay, number nine, this is one of these incredible stories where it's like, it's, it's, it had to happen. You couldn't make it up. But Humble Pie and Grand Funk Railroad get into a big argument about the British invasion and about rock and roll music in America. And, and all of a sudden, they got into a big argument. And Don Brewer, the drummer from Grand Funk Railroad, said, you know what, we're an American band. And they got ready to throw hands. And the next day, they coined the phrase and put the song together, and it became the biggest hit of Grand Funk Railroad's career, and it's sung by the drummer Don Brewer. We're an American band. We're coming to your town. We'll help you party down. We're an American band. You love it, man. Number eight, not an American band. It's Oasis. And uh, you know, Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher, they couldn't get along. You know, Liam, of course, is the real talent in the band. Noel was a great songwriter, a decent singer, but not nearly as good as Liam. But uh, Don't Look Back in Anger, Noel Gallagher sang the song and actually had a head with it. Not as big as Wonderwall or 
Live Forever, Supersonic, any of those. But still a really, really nice song. And it was on our top ten list as well. But not an American band. And if you haven't watched that Oasis documentary on Netflix, you owe it to yourself. If you love Oasis or if you even like them a little bit, you're going to like and love them even more when you watch that thing. I'm going to encourage you to do that. All right, number seven, we're going classic rock again. And you guys hear this song all the time when you come to Mississippi State sporting events. It's Blue Oyster Cult. It's Don't Fear the Reaper. The Cowbell song, if you don't know. Buck Dharma sang this one. And what's interesting, too, it's like uh, Buck, like Blue Oyster Cult had some big hits. And last time we talked about Blue Oyster Cult, I didn't mention Godzilla and somebody kind of chastised me for it. So, again, I'm going to mention that. But the two biggest hits in BOC's career is Don't Fear the Reaper and Burning for You. And Buck wrote and performed both of them. How about, and how does that sting the singer, right? I mean, you go back and think about Grand Funk Railroad and you, you talk about Blue Oyster Cult. There's a couple more bands on here. It's like the signature song is sung by somebody that's not the primary singer. How does that sting the singer? I, you know, I guess I'm an insecure little flower. It would really irritate me if I was in a band and the biggest hit we had, I wasn't singing. That's kind of my gig. All right, number six. It's an absolutely wonderful song. And it's amazing when you begin to think about all the talent that's been in this band. Talking about the Eagles. They have had some huge hits. and They've had a lot of different people sing them. Timothy Schmidt, when they got back together, had that huge bow with Love Will Keep Us Alive. That's not on our list today. That's a great one. And, of course, Glenn Fry, Don Henley were both great singers. and Joe Walsh had some singing. I mean, it's like... Every one of these guys was incredible. Well, how about Randy Randy Meisner? A little technical difficulty there. Randy Meisner, the original bass player in the Eagles, wrote the great, incredible song, Take It to the Limit. He wrote it and sang it and ended up being their first number one. Now, the Eagles had a bunch more after that. But again, it just... And again, it illustrates how much talent was in this band. Incredible. All right. Number five. I love this song. I love the I love the, the lady that performed it. I love the band. I don't know if she still does social media much anymore. It's always such a blur these days. But she used to be a pretty good follow. We're talking Nancy Wilson from the rock band Heart. Again, the first number one for Heart. It wasn't a song that Ann sang. It was These Dreams that Nancy sang. It was an incredible song. It was an incredible performance. It was part of a great revival in many respects in, in Hart's playing career. You know, they had basically two careers. We talked about this a while back. They had two bites at the apple. They come back better, bigger and better than ever. And Nancy Wilson was a big part of that. Number four. When I say the band Squeeze, there's one song that immediately comes to mind, right? It's Tempted. Tempted by the Fruit of Another, right? You know that song? It's so cool. It's got such a good vibe to it. It's about being unfaithful, right? Well, the guy that recorded the song, Paul Carrick, was only in the band for one album. He was a keyboard player. 
records the biggest song and then leaves the band and squeeze is still around and many of you are going to say steve but squeeze has this hit there's nothing bigger than tempted that is the biggest squeeze song without a doubt and it's sung by a dude that was in the band for one album and didn't play a primary instrument incredible man all right number three another one and i and i'm you young bucks don't get it man you don't the primary singer from the band night ranger was jack blades Jack is a phenomenal singer, also a really good bass player. Jack, of course, with the damn Yankees and with Shaw Blades, and he's done a ton of stuff. But what's the what's the most recognizable Night Ranger song? It's Sister Christian, and Jack didn't sing it. The drummer, Kelly Keegi, he wrote it about his own sister. Sister Christian, it was about his younger 16-year-old sister. About, you know, growing up. Now, Jack sang back up on this, but, you know, Jack and Night Ranger had a bunch of hits, too. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, the one classic song that everybody knows is Sister Christian. Jack didn't sing it. Maybe you didn't know that. But when you close your eyes, do you dream about me? That's Jack all the way. All right, number two. You wanted the best, you got the best. It's Kiss. Now, here's the thing about Kiss, is they've had a bunch of hits, and a lot of different people have sung these hits. Of course, Paul Stanley is the primary vocalist. Gene Simmons had some huge hits. You know, Calling Dr. Love, Got a Thunder. Love it, man. My guy Ace Fraley. Ace had some big hits. You know, Shock Me is probably the best one. But... The most recognizable ballad of Kiss's career is sung by Peter Chris. It's Beth. My mom was named Beth. I dated a girl named Beth. It was pretty serious for a while. It wouldn't have worked out. Couldn't have had her have my mom's name. You know, there was other reasons too, but that always kind of bothered me. But it's a beautiful song, and everybody knows it. And uh, I hear that Gene Simmons can't stand the song. Like, he's just kind of tired of it, you know. And I get that, too, especially since Peter's not in the band anymore because if people want to hear it, what are they going to do? Get Eric Singer out there to sing it? No. But Kiss, number two, Beth. I love the song. I remember as a little kid, I was like, hey, they're singing about my mom. But number one for me, and maybe you millennials will appreciate this, you Gen Z people, whatever you call I'm a Gen Xer. I lived through this. I had this on 45. But it's Toto's Africa. And it wasn't Steve Luke with their singing vocals. It was David Pash, the keyboard player. And it was one of those things he had written it, and for something because there's so much in it, you know, there's a lot of like start and stops. And so since David wrote it, he kept trying to like he would sing it like it's a demo version and get those guys trying to get it. Nobody could get it down, so they just ran with it, and it ends up being a number one hit. For Toto. Now, Toto had some other ones. I submit to you the best Toto song is not Africa, not even Rosanna. It's Hold the Line. But today, we're going to cheer for Africa. Toto's Africa, the number one song of all the hit songs. It was sung by somebody other than the lead singer. So there you go. Thanks for the idea, Gordon. Hope I did the list justice. If you have ideas for the top ten list reach out and let me know. 
You can let Roy know. You can find him on Twitter at Dogmatic. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. 6-7 is the year of his birth, which means he's older than me. And he, and Roy, with the long hair and the tattoos, you know, I, I think I look a lot younger than you. And maybe that's just me being having some sense of vanity. But Roy got a tattoo after the NAFL championship, so I think there's hope for Roy. Maybe we'll recapture some youth, right? I want to thank him and our friend Izzy Mandelbaum for always collecting these lists and putting them together for you guys on Spotify and Apple Music. Nobody pays them to do it, man. They just do it for the love of the show and to help you guys. And it was Roy's idea to begin with, and I want to thank him for it. I'd always thought about it. I just didn't really want to go to all the trouble. And Roy does it and loves doing it and sends me a detailed list of kind of where we are. And speaking of that, let me, let me, let me just let you guys know kind of where this thing is. We haven't updated this in a while. But let me give you the rank of these shows, of the, um, if we can sort these, the rank of the top 10 list, like your top 10, top 10 list. Number 10 with 16,720, the Black Crows. You said, Steve, yeah, 16,720, the Black Crows. Number nine, 16,820, it's Phil Collins. Did you expect that? I don't know that I did. Number eight on the list, if I can find it here. Number eight. I just passed it. Let me see here. Number eight is Waylon Jennings, the Balladeer. 17,064, Waylon Jennings. Number seven on your list. These are your list. You you voted for them. It's the Zag Brown Band, 17,351. So how about that? A couple of country acts there in the top ten. And I know what's going to happen. People are going to say, Steve, you need to do more country then. And I know. I've got, I've got a pretty good country music consultant. Number six, our newest entrant into the top ten is Hinder with 18,100. Did you expect that? I don't know that I did. But Hinder, I thought it would do well. I didn't know that it would do 18,000. 18,000 and some change there. All right, number five on your list is Creed. And many of you hate it on Creed, but you listen to it because you love the Creed. It's 18,603. Let's go for number four here. Number four was the Ole Miss dedication. Remember when I dedicated all those songs to Ole Miss? So you know they listen to it too, which, which makes it even more beautiful, right? You guys listen to it, and then they listen to it. And they got to hear Like a Storms, I Love the Way You Hate Me. It's incredible. All right, number three, Chris Stapleton. So we got three country acts in the top ten. Maybe we should do more country. But don't send me these obscure ones. I mean, honestly. Well, Steve, I know this guy. No, send the big ones. Chris Stapleton, 19,094. And I love Chris Stapleton. I haven't seen him live, but I plan to see him. Guy's a phenomenal guitar player. Number two, and this happened when we when you guys were in Omaha, and I think maybe you were on the way to Omaha and you just wanted to hear something cool. It's the recent rock covers. Did you know that? Recent rock covers, 19,426. But number one with a bullet, man, with over 4,000 more than the number two. It's Poison with 24,242. And I was the guy that did not really care for Poison. It was like my best friend's little sister's favorite band. So I guess this is Jennifer's revenge on me all these many years later. And so I, I laugh sometimes occasionally. I'll meet somebody and say, hey, man, you know, 
I'm not so sure about the top 10 list. Well, you're in the minority. 24,242. And maybe I'm in a minority. Maybe I was wrong to hate on Poison. I don't know. Maybe I was. I just didn't really like it because, like, the teeny boppers. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, the same, like, when, when I was younger, it's like the same kind of girls that were into Madonna. You know, when Madonna was like, the dress you up, my love Madonna. We're into Poison. And so, I guess it kind of tainted my opinion of them. I still don't believe C.C. DeVille can play. I think any of you could probably do the same thing. Uh, but anyway, the people have spoken, and apparently I was wrong. But if you've got an idea for the top ten list, reach out let me know. I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. All right, let's thank our friends at Hawthorne, too. I got my Hawthorne shipment in. I'm so excited about it. I can't, I'm going to wear it around Arkansas. I'm going to be the best-smelling guy in Arkansas. Now, I could probably be the best-smelling guy in Arkansas any day. But now that I got my new Hawthorne stuff, there is no way that anybody will surpass the symphony of scent that I'm going to have because I've got the entire package. I've got the, the work scent, the play scent. The, that's fabulous cologne. I've got the deodorant, the body wash, uh, the shampoo, the conditioner, deodorant. I got the whole thing, man. I got the whole kit. And I'm excited about it. And it's amazing, too. I guess when you get to middle age, uh, there's so there's so few things you get excited about. This gets me excited. It will get you excited too. Go to Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Hawthorne.co. Go check them out today. There's a little quiz you can take, and it's based on your preferences. And maybe for you significant others out there, maybe you want to buy a gift for the man in your life. Maybe you go take the quiz. <laughs> You know, if you've got one of those, uh, you know, one of those significant others, like, I don't really care about whatever you want. Well, then this is what you do. You go to Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, Hawthorne with a W dot C-O, not dot com dot C-O, and go take the quiz for them. And then you get the cologne that you like, and you'll be amazed at how much better everybody gets along. Because when you, when you smell good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you act good. So it's all connected I encourage you again to go check it out today, Hawthorne.co, and use promo code Boneyard to save a little money on your purchase. I'm telling you, I can't oversell this thing enough. I, I, I have bought Hawthorne products myself, not just the stuff they send me. When I run out, I buy more because I like it. I dig it, and I like it when those guys come back around and work with the show. Again, it's Hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Okay, it's uh, time for us now. Uh, to uh, take a look at the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, this is one of those series for a a year now. We've all been kind of like, man, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's here. And the Arkansas preview brought to you by your friends at Campus Book Mart. Stan and man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Everybody up there is going to take care of you and treat you like family because in their minds you are family. It's as simple as that. Stan and man doing a great job for lo these many years. Every time I see Stan these days, he's getting on his M over S jacket. Pick yourself up some M over S merchandise at campusbookmart.net. If you can't make it to town, be sure and visit them on the World Wide Web. And if you are a loyal Bonegar listener, and obviously you are, you're listening to the show, we're going to give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR. Go to campusbookmart.net. Use promo code BSR, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And you order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's look at the Razorbacks. Now, the first thing that I'll tell you is the record really jumps out at you because you think this is where we should be. 
And you know what? I can't really argue. We should be right around these guys. Um, they've got some issues, too. They're not the invincible team they were a year ago. People forget back, like, the season opening weekend, they lost 3-2 to two to Illinois State in Fayetteville. The Friday night guy from Illinois State held Arkansas to two runs. They bounced back and they win Saturday 5-1 and then went on Sunday 4-2 to take a series. They go out there and play in the Carl Bosch Round Rock Classic. I hope that we get to do that one day. And I'm sure at some point they'll invite us. I want to go to Round Rock. I really do. I've been to Fort Worth, been to Frisco. I want to be able to go. I want to go to Round Rock. We've been to Arlington. So they beat up Indiana 5-2. They lose to Stanford 5-0. And again, you know, Stanford pitching holds them to nothing. And then Louisiana, they beat those guys 6-4. So a competitive ball game. Then they get Omaha in. They beat those guys 15-3. Then Friday, they lose to Southeastern Louisiana. So we start talking about these Friday games. You say, mm, I don't know. They lose to Southeastern 7-3. And then uh, the Saturday game, they end up having to play two, and that's a 4-2 win and an 11-1 win. So they, they kind of took advantage of the lack of pitching to Southeastern in game three. But, again, that's a competitive series against Southeastern. Now, Southeastern's beaten Ole Miss. I mean, they're a good mid-major team. I'm not in any way throwing shade at Southeastern. But when you go up to Fayetteville and you're Southeastern, you probably don't think you're in a position to win the series, and they were. All right, the next, uh, the next week they played um, University of Illinois Chicago. Yeah, four games there, 12-4, 5-4, 10-1, 10-8. And the thing that I, I look back at that is like, you know, number one, why are we playing four games? All right, the Tuesday, Wednesday, they get Grambling in there and they hammer those guys 14-1, 13-3. And you can say, but Steve, we only beat them 2-1. to one. Well, that's true. What, what do you want me to say? They open up with a three-game sweep of Kentucky. But the games were competitive. It's not like this Arkansas offense is running away from people. 6-2, 9-3, that's the most lopsided one. And then 3-1 on Sunday. And you see in recent weeks, Kentucky's played pretty well. They go to Missouri last weekend. They win the Friday game 7-5. Again, a very competitive Friday ball game. They lose Saturday 7-5 and then win Sunday 6-4. Every one of these games were a toss-up. It boils down to one big inning. At Missouri. Now, we, that kind of stings us a little bit, too, because they got the better of us last year. Cost us a chance to, you know, share clinch a share of the SEC championship, and they're they're a little bit better this year. But this Arkansas team is not dominant. They're a really good team. Don't get me wrong. And again, I've said on this show many times, Dave Van Horn, one of the best coaches in all college baseball. And as long as he is there, Arkansas will be not only relevant, they will be contending. That's the kind of program he runs. All right, they didn't play their Wednesday game against Little Rock due to weather. They did play Tuesday and beat those guys 16-8. to So that kind of brings you up to date. Uh, they've won, you know, three of the last four. But, again, not a lot of losses on here. But against Power 5 competition and against the regular, you know, mid-majors teams that are going to be in contention to go to regionals and things like that, it's been very competitive. It has been. I don't think that there is a, uh, you know, there's not a booger bear in the closet as my grandma used to say. Be, be careful of those booger bears out there. Well, there's not a booger bear in the closet, Mamaw. 
This is a good Arkansas team. Don't get me wrong. If we go up there and don't play well, they could embarrass us. Now, it's not the team it was last year where you got Christian Franklin and Goodhart and those guys just absolutely raking all the time. But this is a good team. Let's take a quick look at the numbers here. Michael Turner. This is a guy, too, that I don't think a lot of people expected him to be as skilled with the bat as he is. 369. 31 hits, which uh, leads a team. Got eight doubles, a triple, four homers. 14 walks, 16 Ks. Pretty good ratio there. Um, hit into three double plays. The guy's an outstanding catcher. I mean, you get rid of Casey Opitz and you think, okay, well, I'll take a step back and they go get a transfer in that's probably better offensively than Opitz was. And I like the kid. Uh, so Chris Lanzelli is hitting 358. He started all 23 games. 14 runs scored, 29 hits, five doubles, a couple dingers, 15 ribbies. Pretty good player. Slugging percentage is 494. Caden Wallace hitting 304, also started all 23 games. Um, four dingers for him, too. 24 RBI. When you start breaking these numbers down, it's a very balanced order. Now, what, what the, the probably the thing that jumps out to me is that Brady Slavens is just hitting the buck 87. I don't, I don't get that at all. That that kid can really play. I don't know if he's ding, dinged up or whatever, but for some reason, he just hadn't found it yet offensively. He's hitting the buck 87. That's a guy that had some big hits for him last year. Big hits. He's got three dingers. Braden Webb, guy can really play too. He had a big weekend against us last year. He's got five home runs, which leads a team. Bob Moore, Robert Moore, you know him. Ten doubles, which is ridiculous, and a couple dingers as well. He hitting 272. I think teams are pitching him a little bit different these days. And then, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, in that order last year, you could kind of slide Bob Moore whatever you wanted because you had so many experienced hitters around him to protect him. Because that Arkansas team was really built to win big last year. Jalen Battles, a guy that we thought might go pro last year, he's back. Having a decent year, too, 274, uh, three doubles, three dingers, 13 ribbies. Uh, Zach Gregory's a guy, too, that's uh, had a lot of at-bats for them, not a lot in the way of production as far as driving in wrenches six, and that's really more of a byproduct of the people around him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a solid order. You know, it is. I mean, but, again, it's a very balanced order. You look at the power, and they've played a lot of games at home, of course, but uh, every one of their starting nine has a home run. Every single one. And I think we're pretty close to that ourselves now that I think about it. You know, you know, of course, LT and Luke and RJ, Leggett when he starts, of course, Cam, Cumbus. Yeah, we all of our starting nine have hit, hit home runs too. But, um, but there's not one or two guys that are just carrying the load here. That's really the point that I'm trying to make. It's a very balanced order. So you're not going to be able to, like, pitch around a couple guys because there is length in this order. Everybody in this lineup can take you deep, and everybody in here can get the big hit. And a lot of that, too, is just culture. Arkansas has great culture. 19-4 and four overall, 15-2 and two at home, and then away from their place, just 2-1. and one. Um, But 5-1 and one in the SEC, and a team that we're going to have to go play well. And listen, you know, all roads lead to Fayetteville in the SEC West right now. You know, their, their team was expected to be better. They lost a lot, but they had some come back, too. And then, again, Dave Horn did a great job recruiting out there. 
brought in some good replacements. So I mean, anybody expecting Arkansas to slip is just kind of kidding themselves. They're, they're going to contend in the SEC year in and year out. They're going to be in contention to host year in and year out. They're going to be in contention to be a top eight national seed. Arkansas and Mississippi State are pretty much comparable programs at this point, except for two things. They've gotten the better of us the last two times. We have a NAFL championship and they don't. But it is simply a matter of time before Arkansas wins one because they're committed to baseball. They got a great coach. They got a pretty good recruiting footprint. They got a good plan up there. And eventually it works out. And and it would have it would have absolutely killed me last year if they had won one before we had. But I have a tremendous amount of respect for Arkansas baseball. And yes, their fans on Twitter can be incredibly annoying, but that in no way, you know, you know, hampers my opinion of Arkansas baseball. I think Dave Horn's done a great job up there. And Dave's a guy that's a little bit prickly. I mean, you, you talk to people in college baseball circles and they'll tell you, he's, you don't want to get sideways with Dave Van Horn. He'll let you know. Talk to some of the ground screw at Mississippi State last year, right? Uh, but be that as it may, got a lot of respect for Arkansas. We're going to have to go up there and play exceptional baseball. Let's look at the pitching weekend. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. 
Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Uh, Connor Nolan, that's a guy that we know. We faced him before. Uh, six starts on the year, a 3-1 and one record, ERA of 3.41. These ERAs are, are good, not great. Uh, 34.1 innings pitched, which is a, a staff high for them. He's allowed 13 runs, all of them earned. Giving up about a hit per inning. We discussed him a little bit on Wednesday show because uh, he is a guy that's done a really good job when you look at all the numbers strikeout-wise. He gets a lot of swing and miss, but he also gives up a lot of hits. You just got to be able to string things together. Uh, has walked just nine hitters on the year. That's remarkable. It's a 5-to-1 K-to-walk ratio. Allowed six doubles and one triple. Not a single home run this year. So he is going to keep you in the ballpark, which means you got to string a, a couple base hits together. you got to work line drives. He's not going to walk you. He's not going to give up the home run. So you got to get you got to rally. you got to get multiple hits in the inning to get to get the run home. And so it's going to be difficult against him. we got to go out there and make him pay a little bit. Now, he, you can hit him. But he is a guy that really bears down with runners on base. Hagen Smith's been really good for him. Two six starts for him with a 4-1 record, an ERA of 3.45. 31.1 innings pitch, allowing just under a hit per inning. 12 runs, all of them earned. Uh, 15 walks for them, 37 Ks. So he's, what, two and a half to one there. It's a little bit lower than you'd like. You'd like it to be at least three to one. Uh, another guy that you know does a pretty good job keeping you in the yard but four home runs that's the most they've given it's a staff they've only given up 12 think about that for a second we have become fairly reliant on the long ball here as of late we're going against a pitching staff that doesn't let you elevate much that's interesting that's awfully interesting something's got to give uh, Jackson Wiggins has been really good for them too. He, the, the lowest batting average among the regulars. Teams are hitting 161 against him. Control has been a bit of an issue at times. He has 19 walks, which leads the staff. He also has uh, six wild pitches, which leads the staff, and five hit by pitches, which is tied for the lead on the staff. So control is an issue with him. Uh, he's a guy I think you can get to, but the bottom line is you, you can't go out chasing pitches. You got to make him come to you and get you out. But he's not giving up a lot of hits. 19 hits in 34 innings. It's a a pretty remarkable number. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's nearly one every two innings. Very, very impressive. Uh, Brady Tigert, we'll see him. Seven appearances on the year, 1.59 ERA. He's allowed 10 hits, just under uh, one per inning. He has four saves. Kind of working as their closer. Uh, Zebulon Vermillion. You remember him. We, we actually rocked him when I, right on out of the ball game uh, last year, but we just couldn't finish the deal. I guess that was the Saturday game. He has eight appearances on the year, a 1.69 ERA. Allowed just five hits and ten two-thirds of an inning. Uh, so, you know, they'll get after you. Evan Taylor, nine appearances, which is second most on the staff. He's allowed six hits in 11 innings. The guy with the most appearances – uh, that is him, yeah. Uh, Cole Ramage is another guy. They were really high on him. For some reason, he hadn't been able to get it together. Uh, yeah, 11, uh, 11 appearances, which leads the staff. But he was a guy they thought was going to be a weekend starter for him. For some reason, it hadn't come together. A 5.40 ERA, and 0-1 record. He does have three saves on the year, and uh, really more of a long reliever 
than uh, maybe a closer. But uh, 15 hits, 13 runs, 12 of them earned, 23 Ks against uh, eight walks. But uh, as a staff, you know, they will walk you a little bit. 87 walks, 253 strikeouts. Now, Arkansas is a team, too, that will let you walk them. 126 walks as a team against just 192 strikeouts. That's a ratio you can live with. And then as a as a uh, team here, 32 doubles, the one triple, and then 12 home runs. So not a ton of power against these guys. You know, it's like you look at these numbers and you begin to kind of think, okay, you know, if they're keeping you in the yard, what are you going to do? You know, that that number really jumps. That That's the, probably one of the things that concerns me the most is we have become so reliant on the fast, on the long ball, and then they don't give up the gopher ball. They've hit 27 as a team, allowed 12. It's a pretty hardy differential there. So what's going to happen? Well, I think we're going to go up there, and I think we're going to play a very competitive weekend against a really good baseball team. We, we have to get one. Now, if we get two, it, it, it changes the complexion of a lot of things. It changes the race in the SEC West. Gets stayed a little bit closer. It also gives you two of those RPI bullets because you know Arkansas is going to keep winning, and they'll kind of pull us along with them. We talk about it's too, too early to worry about RPI, but when you can pick up a couple wins like that against a team that you know is going to run off a bunch of wins, you benefit from that. And then when we get ready to have our resume re, you know, reviewed by the, the tournament's collection, selection committee, uh, it'd be nice to have a couple of nice road wins against a team that is going to contend for a top eight national seed and certainly a hosting spot. So it's a huge weekend for us. Now, can we go out there and win the series? I think we can. I'm not expecting it, though. I'm expecting to get one. And maybe that one comes on Friday. Maybe it comes on Sunday. Not exactly sure. But I feel like we'll go up there and snap the streak against them. Again, this is not the Arkansas offense that there was a year ago. It's not. Again, very, 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 very good team. Not as good as last year. And looking at it, it's the conference-only statistics, too. And everybody's numbers come down a little bit. Arkansas has hit five home runs in conference play. And again, we've only played six games. They've hit five. They've allowed three. And so they keep you in the yard, but they have basically surrendered almost as many as they've hit. So it's pretty competitive in that respect. As a team in SEC play, they're hitting 246. Opponents are hitting 240. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to feel a little bit better about this, right? Arkansas stolen bases six for six in league play. They've allowed five out of six. You know, it's like you start looking at the numbers and everything kind of evens up a little bit, and you begin to think, okay, well, wait a, wait a minute now. And then you factor in the fact that they played Missouri, they played Kentucky, you know, two teams that are traditionally in the lower half of the East, and you start thinking, well, they should have been able to dominate that. And so, again, you kind of question the quality of competition on the entire schedule. But, you know, smart on Dave Van Horn to kind of schedule it the way that he did to kind of figure some things out. But, uh, you know, looking at the numbers in conference play, it's, it, it's not as intimidating as it was a year ago. When they came into Starkville last year, they absolutely beat us to death. There were a couple of games we, we had a chance to kind of make a game of it, and we blew it, made some errors here, couldn't make a pitch there. But Arkansas came down here with, on, a, on a mission, and they accomplished it. And, again, I have nothing but respect for them. I guess that's not necessarily true. I guess I have a little contempt against them because uh, they're always contending with us. But uh, I have, there's no disrespect in my heart for Arkansas baseball. 
some of their fans do get on my nerves on Twitter. But, um, you know, by and large, this is a team that's really kind of a mirror image of us. You know, just kind of how it's been. They're just not quite as what they were last year. And you know what? I don't know that we are. So we're going to see. But I know this. It would be huge for our program and huge for our season if we go up there and get two. Again, as if I had to call it today, I think we're going to lose two out of three. I do think we go up there and compete. I don't think we go up there and lay an egg. And I think if we get a chance, if we get another chance like we did Saturday against Georgia, I think we'll close the deal against Arkansas. We're getting better. We're getting better. I, I truly believe that. All right, your look around the SEC brought to you by your friends at Portico. And I know Brooks Bryan loves it when we have attached Portico with some college baseball. That's a guy that achieved his dream of playing college baseball at Mississippi State, native of Philadelphia, Mississippi, a resident of Madison, Mississippi, and a guy that's making life a whole lot easier for those of us that live in Starkville, Mississippi. If you want to move to Starkville, now's a great time to do it. Brand new construction all over the place, but you're not going to find it any better, any higher quality than you are at Portico. Very easy to get to. You turn off 82 on a 12. You take the first ride on Pat Station Road. Matter of fact, I was down there today, kind of looking around, kind of nosing around a little bit. Phase one's completely sold out. A lot of people down there living the high life. Phase two, under construction now. You can have some say in that. Pick out your house plans. Pick out your lot. Let them know what you want. They can make it happen. The best thing about it is you're 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You're on the quiet side of campus. Makes it easy to get to. All your friends are going to want to come see you on the way to the game. You know, maybe they need to get a drink or use the restroom, whatever, and they forgot. You know, you're right there. No, I'm just kidding. You know, everybody's going to want to come stay with you because you're going to have the cool house in the cool town next to the cool school. Very conveniently located off of 82 on the 12. Take that right, and you can get to uh, 25 in a matter of minutes. You don't have to follow that traffic on 12. If I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. And that is not just some ad- advertisement. I mean, I live out here in the sticks, and there's some days, and I'm getting ready. Oh, i got to run to campus. And I got you know, I think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm passing myself in the road. I'd love to be closer to campus. You will, too. Give Brooks a call today to get more information, 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's look at uh, what's happened in the SEC since we have been together. I love talking college baseball. I don't know if you guys have learned that about me. So Tennessee blasts Western Carolina. It's like we thought they would 11-1. to And then Missouri gets after Southeastern Illinois. I think it's South, Southeastern Illinois University, Edwards, something like that. Either way, I mean, it's, like it's basically a directional school in Illinois. 12-2. So good for Mizzou. Now, we had some action Thursday night. You may have missed it. Auburn goes to Alex Box Stadium and beats the Tigers 6-5. to five. How about that? Were you expecting that? I mean, LSU goes down there and takes two out of three from Florida, and everybody says, oh, they figured it out. And then Auburn goes in there and shoves them 6-5. I absolutely love it. Good for Butch. Good for those guys. Really happy for them. And again, too, LSU's going to be here next weekend. You start thinking, oh, okay. And LSU jumped out to like a 2-0 lead, and then Auburn absolutely explodes for six runs in the fifth, and the bullpen makes it hold up. LSU makes a late run in that ball game, scores a run in the ninth to make it a one-run game, and then can't close it out, can't get the big hit late. 
Burkhalter with the save. That's a money, that's a money job right there. Good on Alex Box and sustain the ninth, the ninth run, excuse me, the ninth inning rally and win the game. That's a huge win for Auburn. Huge. Florida goes down to Georgia, the rival school, and guess what? Georgia beats them. Now all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, Mississippi State, maybe Georgia ain't so bad. The thing that I look at too is that, you know, Florida kind of got after Cannon a little bit. You don't, you don't expect that. That's what happens, though. Uh, I'm wrong about that. They didn't pitch Cannon tonight. I guess they'll pitch him tomorrow. They pitched Brown, who was the, I think, the Sunday guy. Garrett Brown pitched a Sunday game against us. So I guess Cannon will stay on schedule tomorrow. My mistake. And Wagner and Woods, um, you know, they all kind of pitched together. But this is a late inning deal, too. This is a wild ball game. Georgia gets up two. Florida ties it with two in the third. Bottom of four, Georgia goes back up to make it a 3-2 ball game. They extend the lead to 4-2. And then in the seventh, Florida ties it at four. We go to the ninth inning. Florida scores two. You're thinking, oh, here it is. But no, no. Georgia with three in the ninth to walk it off. How cool is that? So good for those guys at Georgia. They're not the only ones walking stuff off. Yeah, it's, I mean, and I'm just kind of looking here to make sure I got my numbers here. It's pretty – so here, here's the way the bottom of the ninth went. Anderson fouls out, then Cole Tate walks. Cowan strikes out looking. Okay, so you got a runner on and two outs. And then Connor Tate is hit by the pitch. All right, they make a pitching change. They bring in a pinch hitter, and uh, Blaylock singles to left. The run scores. And then McAllister doubles – and drives in the other two winning runs. So McAllister with a walk-off, two-out, two-RBI double to win it. And, again, it's so insane. You think these things only happen to us. You got a runner on and two outs, and you think you're a pitch away from getting out of this thing. You got a two-run lead, and you blow it. Insanity. So we'll see what tomorrow brings. But uh, you got to like Georgia's chances with Cannon going tomorrow. If that's still the case, if Cannon's going to go on Friday, and I suspect him being an, an MLB prospect, they'll want to keep him on his regular throwing schedule. you got to like Georgia's chances to win the series. So let's go with that. Let's pick Georgia to take that series. Now, I don't feel so optimistic about LSU and Auburn. Uh, I won't be surprised if LSU rallies back and wins the next two like they did against Florida. But I think Auburn going down there and getting one is huge. Huge. A&M is at Alabama. That'll be an awfully interesting series because I don't know what to – I don't know how good A&M is yet. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, you thought they were great because they took that series against LSU and then they lose to Auburn and then LSU beats Florida. And he's like, well, how good are these guys? And then you see Auburn's now beat LSU. I mean, so it's like, again, there's so much parity in the league, it's difficult even at this early juncture to say, you know what, hey, this is the best team in the West. Texas A&M, right in the middle of everything. South Carolina's at Missouri. We talk about what a bad road team South Carolina is in Missouri. And Steve, you know, Steve Beecher's a good coach. You know, they came in here and played us, I guess, was uh, – was it with South – was he with South – what was he, Southwest Missouri State? Anyway, they come to the regional back in 16. And those guys played us really tough. That guy's a really good coach. Missouri hires him, and this, of course, is a you know, money year for him. He's got to go out and make some things happen. But uh, awfully interesting series. I could see Missouri taking the series. 
But, you know, South Carolina has been just so absolutely schizophrenic this year. I mean, they may go in there and sweep those because I, I, don't, I don't know what to expect from South Carolina. They get out to play big teams at home, and the next thing you know, they lose to somebody they shouldn't. Tennessee at Vanderbilt, a lot of people say, oh, this is the big series. Guys, Tennessee is going to win this series. I'll be shocked if they don't. Tennessee is so offensive, and Vanderbilt is kind of a smoke and mirrors team. I'm, it's just how it is. Tennessee is better on the mound. Tennessee's better at the plate. Tennessee's playing with confidence. I know Vanderbilt will be up for this. Corbin's guys have a good game plan. I just don't know if they had the front line pitching to shut Tennessee down. I do know that Vanderbilt is a place, too, that is prone for the home run. Tennessee is a launch angle team. I could see Tennessee sweeping Vanderbilt. As a matter of fact, I know some people are saying, but Steve, we don't want to listen, we're not going to win the SEC this year. We're not. So the more damage teams like Tennessee can do to other teams that we're going to be in contention with in the SEC standings and in the race to get a hosting spot, then the better it is. So Tennessee, please, we know we're not going to win the SEC. So if you will dominate everybody else until you get to Starkville, that would be great. Just absolutely annihilate everybody. Take them all down. Set an SEC record wins. Don't matter to me. And then when you get down here, maybe let us get a game or two. Uh, But – Bring the pack back to us. So, yeah, I'm rooting for Tennessee. People are like, Steve, you know, we're, we're a couple games behind Tennessee. We're not going to catch them. We're not. Even if this, even unless they have something crazy happen, we're not going to catch them. Tennessee just has the look of an Omaha team. They got so close last year. They were embarrassed being the first team eliminated. But Tello's done a great job recruiting. They're loaded for bear. Now, Vanderbilt might be able to pitch them a little bit. But I think Tennessee at least takes two out of three. But, again, if Tennessee sweeps Vanderbilt – and, listen, anytime anybody beats Vanderbilt, it is a win for college baseball. All right, Ole Miss is at Kentucky, and I don't really know what to make of this series, to be quite honest with you. Kentucky has been really good at home. Oh, they really have been. And uh, our buddy Nick Mangione, I can tell you, Nick, nobody does their homework like Nick Mangione. And, of course, that's from the Cohen coaching tree. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to talk to a lot of people. He's going to call around. They didn't have an extremely ambitious non-conference schedule. But you know what? The one series that Kentucky went out and scheduled and everybody's like, ooh, was TCU. And then they take two out of three from TCU. And then the Sunday game kind of turns into a church league softball game. They lose that one 12 to 8. They nearly swept TCU. Let that sink in for a second. This is Kentucky. Again, they open up the year against a solid mid-major, and they, they sweep Jacksonville State. They sweep Western Michigan. You expect that. And they took two out of three from TCU. That's a pretty loud non-conference series win right there. So that's where you kind of raise your eyebrow a little bit and say, hey, Nick and them are doing pretty well. And then they open up and get swept by Arkansas, and you're thinking, oh, you know, they had to go to Fayetteville. But Kentucky's not been a great offensive team. But here's the deal. You look at those scores. Again, 6-2, 9-3, 3-1. All those games basically down to a swing or two or one big inning. you got to avoid the big inning against Arkansas. You can't walk those guys. And, and we have shown a propensity to do that. But Kentucky got in there and competed. And then they take two out of three from Georgia and nearly swept Georgia. You're like, well, Steve, really? Yeah, Really? You go back and look at that Friday game. Remember remember how good Jackson Cannon was against us? Yeah, he went seven innings, four hits, and two runs against Kentucky. And Kentucky, of course, through uh you know, through Stoop, you know, 
their guy. And they hung in there, and it's a 4-2 ball game. And so you think about that for a second. You know, arguably one of the best pitchers in the country, and they go out there and make it a competitive game all the way into the seventh inning. You know, the difference in that ball game was Georgia had a two-run fifth inning. That's the difference in the game. Kentucky matched them for much of the ball game. It's a 3 nothing ball game in the fifth. Kentucky has a chance to pull even. They only get one. And then from there, you know, Jackson Cannon and that bullpen kind of coasted. But, um, you know, Stupp is a, um, is a ground ball machine. You know, an Ole Miss is very much a swing-to-bat team. You know, they, they want to elevate the baseball. They want to hit home runs. They want to intimidate you. They want to get you going. And I don't think they're going to win that Friday game. They may, but I think this Ole Miss team is ruined a little bit. And I think most people probably see that. You know, it's like people get all excited. You know, when we beat Louisiana Monroe, you know, that's cute. And then you get absolutely smashed by Tennessee. And you take out your frustration on North Alabama. And the next thing you know, you got to get on the road. I could see Ole Miss taking the series two out of three. And that's probably what will happen. I would love to see Kentucky take two out of three. I think maybe their best chance is on, on, uh, on, on Friday. But the way Ole Miss pitching has been, it's like on Saturday. I mean, like, let me run these Saturday scores down for you. And you'll be like, like the Tennessee game was 10 3. The Auburn game was 19 5, Auburn. You know, the Saturday game against Oral Roberts, I guess, was competitive, a 6 2 ball game. Uh, the Saturday game against Central Florida, they lose that game. You know, so they have not been particularly strong on Saturdays as of late. Ole Miss has it. So, yeah, I, I could see Kentucky winning it. I'm going to pick Ole Miss to win it. But I think it's going to be a very competitive series. And I think it's one of those, too. If Kentucky can find a way to win this thing, when, when it becomes selection Monday, I think they're going to be awfully happy. I think I'm going to be incredibly happy. I think Nick Mingione and Kentucky make a tournament this year. I do. Didn't have They didn't help themselves much down the stretch last year. And that's the thing, too, when I look at the schedule. They end up the year at South Carolina and then hosting against Auburn. That's two very manageable series. you got to think, okay, we'll get a win or two out of these and we'll get to Hoover. And then we can prove our tournament worthiness there. Maybe when it's a game or two out there. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, when they survive the gauntlet that is the SEC East, because yeah, they've got a pretty brutal stretch there, you know, with Vanderbilt, Florida, and Tennessee and back-to-back-to-back weekends. If you can get three wins out of that and then win these other ones, you feel pretty good about life. And that's one of the things I think makes this Ole Miss series a little more emergent. You know, you've got to get out there and, and, and get what you could get uh, from them. So that's a weekend as I see it. Uh, maybe it works out the way that we want it to. I'm looking forward to getting on the road. Matter of fact, in a few hours, I'll be up and moving uh, and on the way to Fayetteville. And got the car packed, excited, ready to go. All I got to do is get up and get a cup of coffee and uh, – put some gas in the rig and the next thing you know we're on we're on the move and uh happy to do that i've already packed everything's ready uh so we'll have full coverage for you out there in fayetteville if you've never been to bombstead you know, let me encourage you uh you need to go experience that you'll be glad you did it's a different deal and like a lot of people say oh it's the best stadium it's not even close to the best stadium in the sec but it is without a doubt one of the best atmospheres in college baseball I wouldn't sit in the hog pen if I could help it. Just my honest opinion. 
maybe you see things differently. Uh, it's not quite as hospitable as the left field lounge. There's some good people out there, but uh, it, it's, um, it's a little different. Let's just say that it is a little different, uh, to say the least. And so if you're in Fayetteville this weekend, let me encourage you to come out. I'm going to be with the MSU Alumni Association this Saturday from 12 to 3 at Farrell's Lounge there in Fayetteville. Be sure and look that up, uh, Farrell Lounge. Let's see if I can give you an address here. I'm pretty sure that I have it because um, I think I tweeted it. Earlier. Yes, I do. 311 West Dixon Street there in Fayetteville. 311. So books will be available to purchase at the event, and that's all the books. I know people think, well, do I need to buy it somewhere and bring it? No. And I know there's a lot, a lot of Mississippi State people, the first book signings have gone to are mine. But no, you don't have to go buy your book elsewhere and bring it. I'm not just sitting there waiting for people to, you know, to bring books they bought elsewhere. We're selling books there at the event. And you can bring cash or, or card or even check, and uh, they'll take your money, and I'll sign your book, and then you can go put it in the car and don't have to lug it around the ballpark all evening. And uh, so, again, that's noon to 3 uh, at Farrell's there on Dixon Street. Now, if you can't make it to town and you need dog pot, you can. they still have a little inventory. Not a lot. They still have some available now. Everything else is out in bookstores. But you go to dogpile the book, and you can order the book. Get it. You can still get it personalized. Now, if you ask for personalization, it does take a little longer. They have a lot of signed stock. So if you just want a signed book, you just get it signed, and they'll do it. But if you want to personalize it, it takes about a week to two weeks before I get a chance to do all that, depending on the baseball schedule. Because when we're on the road, I'm on the road. And so I don't get a chance to sign those. So if you have ordered something and had requested personalization, chances are your book will make the trip to Arkansas, and I'll sign that. The publisher will meet me in Fayetteville, and I will sign those books. But um, you know, I think it's important for you guys just to understand kind of how it all works. You know, and so, again, and if you, if you go to dogpilethebook.com, you can order Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. I have people all the time, Steve, Steve, where can I find other books? It's all on the same website with the exception of Blooms of Oleander, which you can order from barnesandnoble.com, booksandmillion.com, amazon.com. It's available pretty much everywhere in several great bookstores around the state of Mississippi. Um, it's been a blast. It really has been. Uh, but you can still order the books. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had some people have said, hey, Steve, I want to get all four of your sports books, and then I'll, I'll think about the poetry book. I, I get it. I understand that that hurt my feelings. But you can find all those at dogpilethebook.com. And, again, let me remind you, if you are looking to you know, complete your collection and get Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, you need to do it pretty soon because they're not going to be printed again this year. Uh, probably do a short run next year you know, because books have now been out a few years. And again, last I heard, it was um, just over 300 copies of Flim Flam left, and I think that's the third edition. And then about 200 copies of Alpha Dogs and then just under 100 of Stark Villains. And, uh, of course, you know, we're going to reprint Dogpile. Matter of fact, it's already in the process now. We're expecting to have those here, you know, a few weeks, you know. And uh, so if you've got an event coming up and your Father's Day is coming up soon too, uh, I would encourage you maybe go ahead and be a little forward-thinking and get those. And uh, if you're looking for the Bulldog fan in your life that maybe what's a unique gift, maybe they've already got all my books, Maybe get them a Stark Villains shirt or hoodie. How about that? You can visit StarkVillains.com, and you can get all that great stuff. 
uh, sent directly to your home. Great gifts. A lot of people that bought them for Christmas and uh, a lot of people that reached out and sent pictures of them wearing the Stark Villains gear. It's absolutely wonderful when you guys do that. I appreciate that so much. So be sure and check it out. Dogpilethebook.com to get all the books and then StarkVillains.com to get the merch. Uh, listen, everybody's coming to Arkansas. Be careful. And uh, there's a lot going on. We talked about uh, basketball hires on Wednesday. And lo and behold, the staff is finalized like the, later that day. And so that's behind us now. And now we just kind of pull for Coach Purcell and, and uh, Louisville. Uh, they're in the women's final four and uh, wish him the absolute best and then he'll get back and complete put continue completing his staff and uh, we'll have some new people that we can cheer for new people to be excited about that's going to do it for today i look forward to uh seeing everybody sooner rather than later and uh, if you're coming to, to uh, fave we'll be sure and come by Farrell's and say hello and pick up some books maybe you get a, you get a free hug with every book purchase how about that until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com.